0: Hello and welcome to the Radical Reformers podcast. I'm Andrew Laird. This podcast is for people who want to understand what it really takes to make a positive impact in public services. It features leaders from councils, the NHS, central government, charities and social enterprises, as well as think tanks and social investors. This is about policy and the implementation of policy and the grit and determination it takes to, to run successful public services. It's not about politics. Politics does not feature at all and the discussions are all the better for it. It's also about the stories and personal journeys of the leaders I speak to, the challenges they faced and the lessons they've learned. Running and reforming public services is incredibly difficult and I'm very grateful to these inspiring leaders for taking the time to share with others. So before we get into it, I just want to take a second to thank my friends and colleagues at Mutual Ventures for supporting me to do this podcast. My day job at Mutual Ventures is about supporting public services to be better, more sustainable and more connected to communities. This means working with central government departments to help them build bridges between policy development and local implementation. It means working with councils to help them plan for the future. And it also means working with nhs trusts to help them find their place in the new health and care system so i hope you enjoy this podcast and that you get as much from it as i have and don't forget to subscribe on the website or follow us on linkedin or twitter to make sure that you never miss a future episode and you might even want to go back and listen to some of the older ones so this is another conference special this time, my mutual ventures colleague, John, and I traveled to sunny Sunderland for the Corporative Council's Innovation Network annual conference. I say sunny, but it really wasn't. We were in the midst of Storm Kieran and the weather was appalling. But the conference was spectacular, and Sunderland City Council, who were the hosts They have this beautiful new council building, and it was a perfect venue for this conference. The CCIN is a network of like-minded councils who believe in a set of principles, including the likes of social partnership, co-production, social economy, new models for meeting priority needs, and innovation. And I have to say, I think the moment has arrived for this type of community-focused thinking, and there were a ton of new ideas shared on the day. As with previous conference specials, this is a series of mini-interviews with some of the key attendees and speakers, and it provides a great summary of a really wide range of topics, including the impressive benefits of mutuals and cooperatives as the deliverers of public services, and also things like values-driven approaches to AI. So it's really quite a mix of things. I've grouped the interviews in a way that I think makes sense. So the first person I speak to is Councillor Louise Giddens, who's the CCIN chair and the leader of Cheshire West and Chester Council. I don't normally speak to politicians, but this was in no way a political interview. It was a conversation about some of the challenges that we face and some of the great ideas that CCIN has. And then I speak to Scott Dara, who's the Chief Executive of Social Adventures, and Jeff Scales, who's Head of Services at Locality. And those two conversations are around new models of delivery and different ways of organising services. Then I speak to David Hepworth, who's the Digital Transformation Partner in Newcastle City Council, and Rob Gregory, who's the Assistant Director of Digital Transformation at Wigan. And this is all about, as you would imagine, the importance of digital transformation, but also AI in particular, and David and I ran a session on the work that Mutual Ventures are doing with Newcastle. And then finally, I speak to Nicola Huckerby, who is the fantastic CCIN operations lead and was the person who organized the conference, and it was great to wrap the day up by speaking to her and getting her views on what she thought the main messages were. And then as a wrap-up, my colleague John Copps and I had a conversation just sharing our main takeaways from the day. This comes at the end. But first, and rather unusually, we have Pepper, the University of Sunderland welcome robot. Okay, so I'm just here with the lovely little robot that's welcoming everybody to the CCIN conference. And apparently, if you rub its head, it will tell you about the conference.
1: It's great to meet you, and I hope you enjoy the annual conference here at City Hall. My name is Pepper, and I am from the University of Sunderland. I am your humanoid, robotic, companion for this morning. Tea and coffee is being served inside the chamber. Please help yourself. The annual general meeting will commence at 8.30am. Enjoy your day. learning about how working cooperatively can achieve much stronger outcomes. And do not forget us robots.
0: So there you have it. bit unusual, but quite cool. This was a little humanoid robot that's very cute when you walked over to it it looked up at you and everything so quite a nice way to enter the main conference center so first up like I said it's councillor Louise Gittens. so I'm here with Louise Gittens, who's the CCI and chair and also the leader of Cheshire West and Chester council Louise it's great to see you
2: yes nice to see you as well Andrew
0: This is, uh, we're we're speaking just before lunch on the conference day, it's been incredible and you've done such a fantastic job with the CCIN team as well, putting it together. I wonder just for people who don't know what the Corporate Council's Innovation Network is, if you could just explain that.
2: Yeah, so it was set up in 2012, Um, our founding members are Sharon Taylor, who used to be leader of Steve Nidge, now in the House of Lords, Mm -hmm. Jim McMahon, who was leader of Oldham, but he's now an MP, and Steve Reid, who was leader uh, in London, uh, but he's now an MP. So they were all members of the cooperative party, yeah. and they thought actually there's a, a role to play for councils in all of this. Yeah. How can we work together to really drive those cooperative values and principles? Councils can't set up as cooperatives in their own right, mm-hmm. but they can have those values and principles as, as their guiding principles in terms of how they deliver their work. So um, it was set up then, and um, over the last 12 years, I mean, I've only I've only been involved since 2019 mm-hmm. when I took over as leader of Cheshire West and this is one of the first actions uh, that I'd had. I'd actually been inspired by Edinburgh Council and Oldham Council um, as a local government association and I thought wow this is this sort of cements our, our belief and our understanding. So, you know, those values around co-production, community wealth building, social, social value. Um, so it's an opportunity for councils who share those values to come together and work as a network. Yeah. Um, but we don't just sort of have meetings and chat about it. It's very much action-centred. I've
0: really picked that up, actually, that people are interested in practical ideas and things that they can really do to help to help people
2: absolutely so if you join the network you've got to be prepared to roll your hands roll your sleeves up, up, roll your sleeves up and get involved so every year Um, There is a subscription to to join, but we use that money to fund uh, what we call policy labs and policy Mm. prototypes. So policy labs are the opportunity for councils to work together, uh, maybe five or six of them, focusing on one particular area and look at how cooperative values and principles can really improve that area of work. So that's done over a year. And then we saw today the launch of two fantastic Policy labs, um, with the outcomes of that, um, thinking around culture for social cohesion yeah. and, uh, not a co- co-production manual. Which was, yeah. Yeah, which is, is just, um, fantastic. And it gives everyone the opportunity to share good practice within that and then push it out to the wider network. And then policy prototypes are smaller ones where it's just usually one council will focus on something, but they have to come and report yeah. back with what they've found. Um but then also we every year we share case studies from across the network. So all councils who are part of the network are expected to actually say, well this is what we've done that are in line with the values and principles yeah. of the network.
0: That makes a lot of sense and creates a, a bit of accountability for everybody as yeah. well. That you can't just be a be a taker. You've yeah. got to you've got to give as well. Yeah. So there's an opportunity to influence at, at a national level coming up next yes. year. And there are lots of ideas bubbling around here that that could end up in manifestos and things. So what's inspiring you from what you've heard? What are your big takeaways from today?
2: Um, So I I felt that this year feels very different than last year. I think there's an anticipation that change might be coming. And Mm -hmm. I think everyone's starting to talk about what that change might look like. We've got a session this afternoon looking at uh, a cooperative Manifesto, if you like, which yeah. we want to send to all parties yeah. who might be in government. Um, so, um, but what came out really, um, loudly from this morning is that bottom up approach. You know we've got to move yeah. away from everything being top down and that includes government so they need to um, i'm hopeful that if there is a change of government powers and responsibilities will be pushed down to very yeah. much a local level and people's voices and that co-production has come out really loud and strong yeah. this morning
0: and you chaired a session this morning on cooperative approaches to supporting children yeah. and young people and i know that's a particular policy area of interest for you What would you like to say on that?
2: So I'm chair of the Children and Young People's Board on on the LGA, which is cross-party, and we all share the same concerns about um, the rising complexity in young people that are particularly coming into children's social care, um, the numbers that are coming in and all of this is a, a result of the pandemic, the struggle of um, councils to cope with the rising costs, profiteering of the private sector. You know, we, we, we learnt this week there's millions and millions of pounds being made in profit when actually that could be spent at the local level. But we heard some inspiring stories about actually there's different ways of doing things. Um, we We heard about a council where um, a a local uh, town council, how they're supporting uh, youth services where the borough council has totally cut youth services. So it seems that our role is really to to step up when these services are disappearing and find different models, different ways to approach it. Um, The crisis in children's social care is here and now, and I think my concern is a year's time great we might get a new government but we need to do something now so I'm hoping everyone will go away from this morning thinking well actually we could perhaps look at doing something now in a in yeah. a different way
0: I think that's great um, a big hope of mine is that there is some structural support for this movement and it shouldn't just be people filling in the gaps by doing great stuff yeah at, at a local level because that's that's great but you know there needs to be some yeah. Support infrastructure around this and some funding as well
2: Absolutely. to help. Absolutely. Yeah. Louise, many thanks for your Okay, time. thank you very much. Thanks.
0: Louise really is very inspiring, and she's got a fantastic sense of humour. When she was speaking from the main stage, she was just throwing in little funny asides quite a lot, which made it really engaging. Very interesting person to talk to, and quite an inspiring leader. So this next segment is with Scott Dara and Jeff Scales, and it's about Mutuals, cooperatives, alliance partnerships, all the different ways in which you can think about delivering public services in a cooperative way. So I'm here with Scott Dara, Chief Executive of Social Adventures. Scott, we've just co-hosted a session asking if the time for public service mutuals has come again. What do you reckon?
3: Yes. (laughs) Right, excellent. Thank you for your time. So so, um, it was a really good session. I think that the, um, the, there is an appetite for change. That's something that I've heard through the conference. I think that you know there is an anticipation that local authorities can do things differently and public sector mutuals uh, as part of their public sector reform agenda could be a really big kind of cornerstone of, of, a, of a manifesto policy going forward. Yeah,
0: and we talked about three different areas where we think public service mutuals could have a role, tell us what those were.
3: Yeah, so I think primary care uh, is a really good example of where where you could get an inclusive ownership model would really work for clinicians wanting to go into primary care. At the moment we've got over a thousand vacancies in primary care in the UK, and one of the main reasons is the traditional model of of partnership practice. GPs don't want to go into it, so a good example of where that's working really well is Bevan Healthcare in, in West Yorkshire, which is an inclusion health primary care provider, which is is owned by the staff. Mm. Um, and the you know the data from there is that they've got really high levels of, of, of engagement, um, low levels of staff turnover, um, and those are the types of things that I think you could do with a, a mutual's agenda within the primary care
0: sector. And really, it would just on primary care, younger qualified doctors don't want, as you were saying, to run businesses, but they want to have portfolio careers as well. And I know that. Some of the doctors that work with Bevan do other things as well.
3: That's it. So they, they you know, they, they 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 want to come and do a great great job, and they want to make a real difference in the communities that they're working. But they may also want to do other things in the community as well. Uh, and I think that it they, they gives um, clinicians more flexibility, yeah, uh, to do that. Um, so I think primary care is an area where this sort of agenda could really work, and you could see more um, cooperatively owned uh, yep. primary care practices. Yep, that's one. Uh, children's services is another area, we've heard that from uh, Louise this morning um, about the the, the the challenges in that sector. Uh, lots of local authorities are significantly overspent in their children's services budgets. So is there an opportunity to look at a cooperative model of delivering, delivering children's
0: services? And this is particularly children's residential care, isn't it?
3: Particularly in ch- children's residential. So how could you, at the moment, it's massively dominated by the private sector yeah it's quite extractive um so 98 percent of it is delivered by the private sector in, in great manchester currently they've just done a really interesting piece of work looking at how they can rebalance that market so how could they look at their mutuals and social enterprises that are really successful in other mm. areas like health and social care adult social care and how could they get them to diversify into this yeah. market yeah. so we've talked about that we talked about the the, the way that the mutuals and social enterprise sector can respond to, to market failure and how you could get that those organizations delivering uh, in, in this particular mm-hmm. area.
0: Okay, so, that's, so that's number two. So that's what's number two? the third
3: one? And uh, the third one is adult social care. So yeah. local authorities have, have spun out a number of adult social care providers that are really successful,
4: Yeah,
3: uh, really high quality services, often are outstanding with with CQC, so um, the likes
0: of possibilities, leading lives. leading lives, yeah.
3: possibilities. You know, there's there's, there's there's a real a real kind of uh, database. A great now.
0: case studies there for very successful organisations.
3: Brilliant case studies, and you know, areas like domiciliary care. So I know the Co-op Group are currently looking at how they can help to stimulate that market, how they can get Co-ops and social enterprises doing more in that broken market as well. So I think there's three big ticket items there in terms of public sector reform where where the public service mutuals agenda could really find its feet in the And the thing which the is
0: future. yeah and th- appreciate that Scott and the thing which is really interesting about this is that we're not here today just talking about how we think this is a better organisational structure and it's warmer and fuzzier we're talking about this model being the solution to some real mm. challenging public service problems like the lack of GPs mm. coming through the system the profiteering that's going on in the private children's residential and private adult social care residential market. You know, these are real, this is providing a real solution to that as well as being a really good way of doing business.
3: It is, yeah. And and we did a a presentation on some of the stats from the State of the Sector report in 2019. And, you know, the the increases in productivity, the fact that these organizations have been able to reinvest back into into their, their organizations, the engagement from their staff teams, um, all are really key factors in why that sector has been so successful. Yeah. And the, the challenge is how do we create a landscape where these organizations can flourish and also tackle some of these really challenging yeah. uh, areas of the public sector as well.
0: And, and just as a final point, the game back in between 2008 to 2015 was spinning public service mutuals out of the public sector thinking about positioning this as a policy for a current or a future government that might not be the focus it might be more about supporting the ones that already exist to grow Mm. but maybe looking at where councils and other public sector bodies have contracts with the private sector can you actually bring some of that a bit closer to communities through a mutual model so not just about getting stuff out of the public sector bringing stuff closer to Mm. to communities
3: yeah definitely And, and it's, a, it's around how you grow grow and, and, and cherish your public service mutuals it was really interesting when we opened it up to the audience you know most local authority areas have one of these organizations in there yeah. in their local authority um, the issue is how do you create a landscape where where they they're growing and developing what they're doing um, and where you've got challenges how can you embrace those organizations to, to help you to yeah. to tackle them so you know if, if the if the ambition is to double the size of the mutual sector in the UK, it's not all all about creating new entities. It's sometimes about how you create a landscape for growth and, and yeah. diversification in the, in the current sector that you've got. Absolutely, Scott, thanks so much for your time. You're welcome.
0: So I'm here with Jeff Scales from Locality. Jeff, you've just come out of your workshop on the subject of keeping it local. Can you tell us about that?
1: I can, thank you. Well, keeping local is a campaign which is run by um, national charity, Locality. And yep. Effectively, it's a network of local authorities which kind of believe in the Keep It Local agenda. And Keep It Local is all about looking at ways to commission services yep. and deliver other activities uh, locally. It ties in really strongly with the whole early help yep. preventative agenda. Yep. And it's also about tapping into the power of local community organisations keeping the money that they've got circulating within the local economy and, and it's underpinning the commissioning of activities with um, um, a focus on collaboration.
0: Fantastic yeah and is that that feels like something that a council needs to be the kind of linchpin of that agenda or is it more is that, is that not right?
1: It's I think it's very much a two where you process. It's underpinned by a collaboration between local authorities and voluntary community sector organisations, including cooperatives in many many, um, cases. But it can extend to much wider collaboration involving health, involving housing associations. There's a key element of this, which is all about partners sat around the same kind of table co-designing activities making decisions together but with a particular focus on local communities and neighborhoods
0: and what what's an example of a really big win that you've had from this approach like what what's a good example of something that's really changed in a local area through the keep it local
1: program well i've just been talking to um Liverpool Council, yeah. which is really interesting, and that was one of the examples I, I was going to use at the end of the workshop. And despite, you know, experiencing the financial pressures and, and all of the kind of demand pressures, which might push local authorities towards large-scale commissioning and trying to do everything strategically, which yeah. basically means, you know, one yeah. one kind of service delivered across the whole area. Yeah they're still focusing on neighbourhoods. So they've just actually launched, despite the difficulties, 13 new neighbourhood areas where they're looking at bringing, you know, uh, different partners, for the table yeah. I've just discussed, around the same table to focus on really bespoke and tailored commissioning and service delivery linked to those particular geographical areas. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've seen this stuff happen in the face of adversity. But that's not because local authorities are being nice, yeah. they realise this is the way which we can tackle the most difficult situations of it, inconvenience. It, yeah,
0: it's definitely it's not just a nice to have, it's actually really solving some fundamental problems and Absolutely. You, and you talked about it supporting this, you know, the whole keep it local agenda supporting prevention and early help. Can you just say a little bit more about how that works?
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean another example, well, another council we've been working. Uh we, we, not in 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 regard of the service that they've commissioned, but but one of the things that they've recently commissioned yeah. is I think there's an there's an alliance which has just been created where basically they've gone out to attend a particular service, yeah. but they want an alliance to bid, and an alliance effectively is a consortium yeah. of local Providers delivering different services, but yeah. all linked to early help, all yeah. linked to prevention, particularly focused on the most vulnerable. Yeah. And how that kind of alliance works is that it requires multiple community organisations, but if they also sit on the se- on the same around the same table as the commissioners, as the local authority, which enables service delivery to evolve over time, and it recognises they're not in a static um, environment. And that's I think that's called family toolkit or family toolbox, and that's entirely focused on providing support to uh, families and children and like the other vulnerable groups yeah. which is all about kind of prevention and stopping people who are on the verge of crisis ending up in that crisis
0: fantastic I mean it sounds like exactly the right sort of thing for the Cooperative councils innovation network conference really good real examples yeah
1: there's a thank huge so tie-in between yeah. the Cooperative council's innovation network and the keep it local campaign
0: yeah it's really incredibly
1: is. similar language
0: yeah. Jeff thank you for your time a big fan of the work that you do at locality and
1: good luck you too thank you.
0: Some really excellent content and policy ideas there from Scott and Jeff. So, this is the digital and AI bit with Rob Gregory and, first of all, David Hepworth. I'm here with David Hepworth from Newcastle City Council, who we've been doing some work with on initial AI strategy. David, we've just had a session at the CCIN conference on AI and its potential impacts. What did you think of the session?
4: Well, I think it's great to hear from um, authorities across uh, the country um, and see what kind of journey they're on. I think there's kind of a mixed approach at the moment and thinking about what's happening at Bletchley Park today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: they might be making the same kind of questions that we're, we're asking at the moment. So it's great to hear from um, different kinds of organizations about their approach to AI.
0: Yeah, and I, I, as I was saying during the session, it's great to talk about this at a cooperative councils innovation network event? Because I think the instinct is to jump straight for the product or the shiny new thing like the mm-hmm. chatbot or whatever. But actually this needs to start with principles and you need to understand why you're using AI and what, what you might wanna use it for rather than just immediately jumping to a product.
4: Yeah, well, I think that's the, the instinct to think about AI and what is the, the product, but actually thinking about the, fundament, the fundamental questions yeah particularly for a local authority who uh, deal with very sensitive data. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got to be very careful about our approach. We've got to be confident that everything is secure and safe. Um, Thinking about things like data bias, which came up in the conversation today. People are very concerned about the quality of data, particularly local authorities. Isn't that great? Um, And we need to be confident that if we're using AI um, to... Uh, drive decision making, for example, um, we need to be confident that it's arriving at the answers yeah. that are
0: accurate. Yes, exactly, exactly. And we talked today about the, the different use cases. So you've obviously got your citizen facing yeah. elements and best examples there are a lot of councils seem to have a, a waste disposal chat bot that will tell you when your bins are being collected. Yeah. Then you've got Automation of back office functions, which could, which the, certainly the intention would not be to reduce human workforce, but to get people using their human skills a bit more. If something, you know, it's I think one of the people in in the audience gave the example of the impact on the accounting industry of the spreadsheet, and they thought that it would lead to mass unemployment in the accountancy trade, but actually there are more accountants than ever and their role has just become more strategic and, and more human. And then the final element is the AI-powered analytics and that's, I think, what you were talking about there and that that is the more difficult nut to crack, I think.
4: Yeah, um, I think of those three use cases, the things that we're thinking about in Newcastle, perhaps data analytics, is, is probably the thing that we're talking about the most in terms of our IT teams, the people who are handling that kind of data. Yeah. But actually, when we're thinking about some of the public-facing services, said, like, uh, I think about using AI to help the, how the contact centers manages yeah. its phone calls, for examples. Now, that n- might not necessarily be AI making any decisions, but it's helping with yeah. the process. I think the primary use I- in local authorities and councils will be to help people do their jobs. Yeah. So yeah, they were talking about the spreadsheets example, Um, and concern about the loss of skills. However, um, I think it's around changing some of those skills. So for example, if you're using chat GTP or BARD or something like that to help you produce a first draft of a document, it doesn't mean that you're losing the skill of producing that document, you're there checking it. So it will help people do the jobs. So we're not needing fewer staff around redundancies, and that's the big fear, I think, with with AI. Um, It's helping people by removing some of the repetitive, kind of drudgery uh, kind of uh, work. Spreadsheets might be a good example of that. um, And helping them focus on what matters to residents.
0: Yeah. So we we did a a staff survey with you. I presume that that's got people talking. What's the reaction in the staff group been like?
4: Yeah, well, I think... um, Again, uh, like the reaction was today, quite mixed. Yeah. I think it's, it's not exactly 50-50, but you know, quite a lot of people are excited about the opportunities that AI can bring um, and help them deliver services, whereas there are a lot of other people who are really worried about that. Yeah. So I think the next steps for us, now that we've got that conversation started, is to do some myth-busting about what AI is where we would use it what our red lines would be be really clear and transparent about its use
0: great david thank you very much for your time you're welcome i'm here with rob gregory who's the assistant director for digital transformation at wigan council rob i think you've been in the job maybe two three days and we're at the ccin conference and it'd be great to get your reflections on what's been a really exciting day
5: yeah well i've been um at the ccin um involved in the ccin for a number of years now so before wigan i was at stevenage council uh, so it's really about you know moving across the network now with my my new role yeah. um but it's been again another tremendous uh, couple of days here in sunderland uh, learning so much from other councils mm. what they're doing in terms of policy labs but also some of the new challenges that we're all facing uh, yeah. how we ch- how we're facing those together and yeah. uh, you know sharing from learning from others
0: well one of the things that has struck me is that the principles of the cci have been there for a long time but it feels like their time is coming yeah and that there is there has to be a realization whether or not there's a change of government next year that central government can't, can't keep doing everything yeah. and you these principles of co-production and proper democracy and engagement have to be at the fore yeah. and i know in wigan they, they already believe all of that but yeah. it needs to be spread more widely it does and i think it, it i think we're shifting away from
5: thinking that this is compartmentalized nice stuff to do and um, when you've got the time when you've got a shiny project to consult on yeah and um, do the engagement i think we're resetting what it means to deliver public services now yeah. and what it should mean for the future and that has to be through a co-production type model but it's all about the way that we work with partners work across that wider ecosystem and i think it's about how we tackle some of the challenges which we can't tackle alone yeah Um, and you know we know from you know coming out of a pandemic coming from cost of living crisis all of those other issues um that we're, we're we're trying to deal with climate change um none of that stuff is easy um and we have to think of innovative new solutions uh, for that and you know I'm also excited about the opportunities that digital and some of those you know opportunities bring in terms of how we think about the world differently moving forward and how we create a new contract uh, with our residents and citizens uh, you know for for the future
0: yeah you were at the session which I was running with David Hepworth from Newcastle there on on AI so not just specifically on AI but in terms of digital transformation what do you think the big areas that councils need to get a grip on are it's an interesting...
5: It's an interesting one. Well, I think data is really important. Yeah. You know, and I think we touched on that in the session, but I think um, the, the transformation that you're able to drive is only going to be as good as the data that yeah. you're able to, to yeah. produce. And I think a lot of councils collect data in numerous ways. But it's the quality of that data, yeah. how mature is that data, um, and then how far can you innovate um, beyond that because yeah. it, you know, so much is dependent on that. So I think there's there's a big issue there in terms of making sure we've got the right data in the right place stored in the right way. But I think there's, you know, the other fundamental things, getting some of the basic infrastructure right um, in terms of the technology, uh, but also the security and the controls. You know, we know from, you know, kind of cyber attacks and, you know, the the way that that's becoming more sophisticated, uh, that we need to do more there in terms of just getting some of the basics in place. Where then we see the opportunities and I think when you start to look at the opportunities how we create new interfaces with with re- residents and this is about shifting that narrative that this isn't about replacing humans this is about further developing our toolkit in terms of the way that we can work with with, with our communities in in different ways yeah. and I think the new types of value that we'll be able to create from that you know there's huge un- untapped potential there yeah. I think we need to continue to explore that so I think it's a really exciting time but we we need to be on the journey and i think a lot of councils here um you know over the last couple of days have
0: really kind of woken up to that and that are actually up for it i think they are waking up to it and um that's all really good advice rob thank you so much for your time and then the final interview is with the lady who made this conference happen nicola huckerby who is inspiring and full of energy and just I, i don't know how she manages to to keep all of the plates spinning. But she did, and she delivered a first-rate conference. So let's hear from Nicola. It's the end of the CCIN conference. I'm with Nicola Huckabee, who's been organizing it. Nicola, it's been a brilliant conference. You must be really delighted.
6: Absolutely amazing. The yeah. welcome that we've had from Sunderland has been
0: really- It's an amazing building on, as well, isn't honestly.
6: it? Honestly, uh, the first, the welcome nights and the cultural offer from uh, the local community, the singing, the dancing, the comedians, and. Uh, it's so important, I think, when you organise a conference that involves people that work from all over the country that exactly. never see themselves, that never see each other, yeah. um, that they get the opportunity to relax and get to, you know, put a face to the name or, or somebody that they've only ever seen on a small screen. So yeah. um, it really, it, you know, it set off on a high and um, the the last day has been tremendous. You know, we've uh, had some really good plenary it, sessions. It,
0: it really feels like this is the time for this type of thinking. Yeah. You know, that there is not, there's an opportunity for a change of direction. And I think that, it's becoming clear to everybody the central government can't keep trying to do everything top down. You've got to empower communities, you've got to empower councils, and they, in turn, have got to empower their own communities.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the network, um, special interest group of the LGA, fastest growing network in local governments, grown mm-hmm. from 19 councils to over 140 yep. councils. Many and of them here today. Yep. Yep. Uh, in, just, uh, in just six years. Uh, and as you say the time's just right you know if we want to be able to deliver services that local communities want we have to get that decision making at a local level and you know it's everything isn't it it's transport it's health and social care it's the cl- it's climate emergency um the the last session on a cooperative council's approach to the general election you know so many brilliant different ideas about what a future manifesto should be yeah. for local people yeah. um and uh, for members and officers to all be here at the same time
0: What in particular struck me I know you were running around really busy organising everything but I know that you were also listening to what was being said in a lot of the sessions What's the biggest thing that struck you about the biggest new idea or the biggest feeling that has come from this
6: um, I think we're on a, on a cusp you know the the network itself it's uh the, it's future strategic direction you know what what's it going to be how much more work we could put into policy labs and turning that policy into practice we had a really really good um like children and young people session and having representatives from large councils as well as small councils to share their share their stories really and yeah. and what you know what the difference you, just because you're a small local authority doesn't mean you haven't got something to share with the large councils yes. and equally it's the, it's the other way around because but it's all about community
0: i i completely agree but there was still a bit of i mean i think there was one session i can't i've can't, I lost count to the number of people who suggested that they had imposter syndrome and i felt like absolutely. giving them a shake and saying um, no you don't no you, no,
6: you don't absolutely yeah. you know the, yeah. the thing about this network is it's large councils town parish and community councils yeah. as well as uh, businesses. Mm. And it was really important for our sessions to reflect that. You know, it's not all about the large councils because those small councils have a say. They are close to the communities, but it's also our affiliate members that are there on the ground. Many of whom work with far more far more councils than council officers do. You know, they're working their own silos in their own organisations. So taking that knowledge from our affiliate members is also so important.
0: So final question: What's the product from this from this conference? I think you're putting together a manifesto, aren't you? That you're going to share.
6: Yes, um, uh, we don't know when the next general election will be, no. you know, it'll be sometime between uh, now and February, January 2025, January 2025 yeah. um, and um, you know, what those asks will be, you know, we yeah. came out of um, three labour cooperative council leaders that two of whom are, are now in the house of commons one who's mm-hmm. now in the house of house lords, lords yeah. um, but we're now a cross-party organization yeah. you know, and it was good you know it's really important to have lib dem councils as well as green councillors yeah. speaking in these plenaries yeah. because it's not all about you know if you're if you're an officer from a local authority you want to understand what other councils are doing yeah um so you know so who knows what that manifesto is yeah. going to be
0: yeah.
6: um, because it's not mine well it belongs to them i
0: tell you we may not know the detail but we know the principles loud and clear so look, nicola once more congratulations and thanks for your time thank you very much so we've made it back safely from sunderland and i'm delighted to say i'm joined by my mutual ventures colleague john Copps, who was also at the CCIN conference with me john welcome to the podcast thank you andrew so The first thing that struck me was just what a great place Sunderland is. And the council building in particular, it's brand new and it's just a fantastic venue. But the whole the whole place, I think they've got a really well-developed regeneration program going and you can you can see it, can't you?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, Sunderland really showed how to do it and really put on a great, great face. And maybe I'm a bit biased because earlier in my career, I spent 18 months up there and have a fondness for the place but but really you get the sense of the regeneration of the town there's new buildings going up there's new investment and there's a real sense of civic pride as well which i think is something sunderland's always had but now it's got the it it can back it up with that regeneration
0: yeah well you better tell people what you were doing up there Mm -hmm. for 18 months
7: yeah so i was um project managing the setup of together for children sunderland which is the Children's Services Trust up there, which took children's services from the Council when they were in a, a bit of a bad spot. But now they're an outstanding service and the relationship with the council is is a good one. And that really that's a really good thing for children and families and all it the is. citizens of of Sunderland.
0: And certainly in the conversations I was in, people talk about it, they're very proud of Together for Children. So great to see that and great that, that they're doing so well. The first night, so we arrived, and this is the night before the main conference. We had this fantastic event that the city had put on for the conference at the fire station, which is a relatively new venue. It's a music venue, a a performance venue. And that was just amazing, wasn't it? We got to see a lot of local talent. There were acrobats, there was a singer, there was a children's choir. And it was just amazing. It it, It was really a great way to start a conference.
7: Yeah, I mean, what a place! I think every town would love something like that, and it, it, yeah. ideally, every town would have something like that. And um I think it was a really good way to start the conference, yeah. and a real—it—it it was about cooperation and cooperative values, and you could definitely see that coming through in in the story of that fire station and how they pulled it out of a bomb site and turned yeah. it into what it is today.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, really great. So, just getting to the conference itself, then, so. I have a few thoughts here which i'll share but what were your big takeaways from it
7: for me there's a real sense of energy around the notion of cooperatives and what that can how that can support public service reform because we know that there's an election coming up there's going to be change yeah and public service reform will have to come back onto the agenda and cooperatives is all about trust and cooperation and if you look across the public sector we've got We've got lots of regionalizing services in, in local government. We've got devolution in, in the NHS. We have integrated care and all that relies on cooperation. All that relies on trust between partners. And I think a sense of that in Sunderland really came across and a sense of people wanting to make that work across the country was, was, was something I really took away.
0: Yeah. And it is a well represented group, isn't it? That there were people from councils in north south east and west it it is a very diverse group you know geographically and it was great to see everybody coming together and you know my my takeaway is that this does feel like the right moment for this thinking and i know that that's something that's quite easy to say but if you just listen people will have listened to what louise the chair had said about how she feels the energy this year was different from last year because people do feel that there is a moment for this and this was brought home to me with some concrete examples. Um, so as well as doing the podcast, we ran a couple of workshops there. So the first one was on public service mutuals and mutuals and cooperatives delivering public services and whether their time has come again. And Scott Dara, Chief Exec of Social Adventures, who was speaking, gave some pretty good examples of how a mutual cooperative model of delivering public services isn't just a nice to have thing it's actually a really solid solution to some of the serious problems public services face so we give a couple of examples the first one was primary care we have a shortage of gps people don't want to go into the profession because they don't want to be part of the traditional partnership model or as a mutual co-op arrangement would allow you to be employed and have some say but not be tied in in the way that The partnership model does and a lot of GPs want to have a portfolio career as well and another example he gave was in children's residential care where everyone at this conference and more widely is very concerned about the profiteering going on in that sector and there doesn't seem to be an easy route out of it for councils except to think about different models of delivering and one of the things that a new drive for mutuals could be is that instead of thinking about how it was between 2008 and 2015 when the government was encouraging services to spin out of the public sector, maybe now what we need to be thinking about is bringing outsourced services to the private sector that are profiteering, bringing those services closer to communities and creating mutuals in that way. So it could be a different angle for that. So that's the first thing that I... That I took away from it, and the second was from the second workshop, which was something completely different. It was on artificial intelligence and how councils should be approaching that and how it can help empower empower communities and The reason I was so excited to do this workshop at a cooperative council 's innovation network event is that far too often people jump immediately to the shiny solution the sh- the shiny product, the chat bot, whatever it is, but actually, for a public service to deal with the opportunities and threats of AI properly, you've got to start with values and principles. And that's why the values and principles that are so important for the CCIN are quite helpful when thinking about AI as well, because it helps you think about the why are we doing this rather than just what can we do? So those would have been a couple of my reflections.
7: That resonates with me as well. And I think, i think there was a lot of ideas in the conference and they weren't all new ideas and they don't have to be new ideas and you mentioned mutuals and cooperative forms of organization but you you've also got the potential i was in a session on on working with the voluntary sector and working with Mm. the community sector and they were talking in there about alliance arrangements and governance structures that can move towards cooperation without without actually challenging those organizational forms And that was something that they were doing around social prescribing in Sunderland. And it was working. Mm -hmm. It sounded like it was working really well. And again, about trust between organisations and individuals. This
0: alliance model. Sorry, I know you're going on to something else there. But before you do, the alliance model is a really useful way of contracting that allows smaller organisations to essentially compete with maybe larger private sector organisations. If they can bring together a range of skills and capabilities to deliver a bigger contract is that is that what that's
7: about I mean there's that that's one but the other thing is just to have a shared as you said shared vision shared values and yeah. and it's something that can coalesce organizations around so it might not necessarily have a contract attached to it um, mm. it might just be a group of organizations deciding that they're going to work together around a shared set of values and mm. i think they were talking about the way that the pandemic had opened the eyes of people to the actual the value of the community yeah. uh, of the of the voluntary community sector for example and particularly how that had happened in health that mm. was were, that were used to their kind of more used to their sort of medical model and, and unlike the the council which which has always worked very closely with the local authority but i think um you know there's power in the cooperation around place and i think yeah. that came across strongly and place has become something of a jargon term really but i think it does it does describe something that local authorities are about which is curating the the area the place for their local residents and making sure it's a it's a nice place to live but also a productive economy and there's opportunities for everybody
0: fantastic john well i certainly came away from the conference feeling really inspired and optimistic about what what the possibilities are and we all need a little bit of a boost like that and there are reasons to be optimistic and that's notwithstanding the huge challenges that we face so john thanks for your time and it was great to be at the conference with you and thank you all for listening and don't forget to follow us on whatever platform you get your podcasts and if you want to leave a nice review that's always good and that helps to spread the word